You're listening to Blue Yonder with your hosts, Jim Jones, and introducing Aaron Hubbard. Everybody, welcome to episode seventy-five of Blue Yonder. I am your host, Aaron Hubbard, and this is Mad Brew from Mad Brew Labs. And we are going to be doing a Gen Con review week. My buddy Jim is under the weather, and as is his want, I think if you've been following us for the entire eighteen-month uh, history of Blue Yonder, you're aware that each and every one of the conventions that Jim Jones attends, he gets the crud. Uh, starting with, uh, I think he got SARS at the first, no, a swine flu at the first uh, Penny Arcade Expo, <laughs> and then he followed that up with a vicious uh, infection that he got from PAX East. Uh, he followed up with another vicious infection he got from PAX East, and now Jin Khan, he's uh, once again developed some kind of respiratory. He's like a baby bird. He needs to be fed antibiotics through a dropper. So he's got corn crud. Corn crud? What is corn crud? Jin Khan, Midwest. Ah, yeah, I don't know. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, our experiences at Gen Con, uh, give everybody a little review of what went down, what was new and notable, and uh, what some of the cool games we played, and some cool stuff we saw, and uh, yeah, that's what you got to look forward to. What you missed, shame on you. So uh, just open it up, uh, start with you, you want to start the conversation? Sure, uh, I guess I could start off, I got a press release today from Gen Con saying that they uh, once again... Busted the attendance records, their own attendance records. Right. And they had, <clears throat> let me see here, let me look at my notes, 119,707 people turnstile and 36,733 unique visitors over 96 hours. You know, I that blows my mind because we talked about this a little bit today. Uh, I feel like Gen Con it should be so much larger than PAX. But when you look at the statistics, it's a basic, basically only 50% larger. And I base that on just my impressions of how large a crowd it is and also the physical space that Gen Con takes up has got to be four times the size of PAX in its entirety. So they've only got 50% more people spread out over four times the space. Uh, this just doesn't add up. I, I can't figure uh, out why there's not more. Doesn't seem like there's more people there. Maybe Penny Arcade's lying on their numbers. It could be. Yeah, could I don't. See, I don't know. I don't see how people lie. Why? Why? What kind of purpose that would serve? Uh, I do. I, yeah, I, I, I know that. I know this year things definitely did not seem as crowded because they expanded in the new. The new areas of of the expansion for the Indiana Convention Center. Right. So things were definitely not as clumped together. There was more elbow room, especially in the exhibit hall. How big? Uh, I would say the exhibit hall was at least twice as big, it, maybe three times as big. I think it's about twice as big. Really? If you look at the map, you can see like because uh, it's L shaped, right? Or no, no, yeah, it's no, kind of like trapezoidal. Or yeah, something. I, I, the the board game and minis and CCG was all thrown together in one L shaped space, and I think that's what I was thinking of. That that space was about three times larger than uh, the old Expo Hall. Right. Yeah, I never went. I you know, unfortunately, I never went to that space. The entire Gen Con. It's a it's it's a paint. Oh, dude, I was sad because my 
this, some of my previous Gen Con highlights have been walking through the mini rooms. And they've got these elaborate sets set up. Well, now instead of each like miniature game having its own room or several rooms that you can, I guess, lock up at night or whatever, or someone can stay on, now everything is out on like basically tables that are no wider than the one that we're podcasting on. So the giant Grand Canyon sets that were like 30 foot wide by 30 foot wide with guys moving them with giant telescoping arms and stuff. Those I did not see those anywhere. Really? That's, yeah. That is disappointing. So they did have some cool cool stuff, but it's kind of like everything felt kind of on the scale of what you would see on a Saturday afternoon at a local hobby store. Mm. You know, like, you know, there's a, some mech warrior battles, but they're all basically an eight-foot map by four-foot map, and, you know, they had little foam hexagon-shaped you know, hexagon mountains and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I was kind of disappointed in that it was much bigger. But they didn't have it wasn't as jaw dropping. Not that I ever play minis or anything like that anyway. Yeah. I was gonna say most of the uh minis um terrain that I find that's pretty good are usually at the exhibit hall mm-hmm. with their perspective. Mm-hmm. Um exhibitors, you know, privateer press, they usually have some fantastic stuff going on. Um but yeah, I didn't see a lot of that this year either. Well, yeah, this year the Privateer Press demos were, like, the size of pizza boxes. Really? It's like, here's your Warcaster and your three machines, and here's my Warcaster and three machines, and here's 30 minutes to explain the rules. And It's odd because it almost seemed like the Privateer Press booth was larger than it has been. Hmm. I just don't know because every one of their demos were stand-up affairs, like, you know, little cafeteria-style tables. Mm-hmm. And um, I need to postpone these updates or they're going to wreak havoc on our podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, but the expo hall itself was pretty cool. Uh, um, so you got a press badge this year, right? Yes, I did. Uh, were you able to take advantage in any way of the press? Like, uh, cause like the, our, uh, frenemies over at personal arrogance talk about the penny arcade press badge and how they basically get, they call it a cheater hour where <laughs> you get in at the expo hall an hour before the public gets to every day and you can get like you know right to the front of the line and you get everybody fawning over you was that your experience at Gen Con? uh no Gen Con doesn't quite i guess they don't have quite the uh, they don't cater quite to the press as much as pax does how i mean there is a cheater hour but mm-hmm. it's only the first day oh really so thursday morning you get it in an hour before everybody else along with uh Gen Con also has these packages called very important gamers vig mm-hmm. packages mm-hmm. so people with vig badges the badge Bad. Oh, VIG, I guess, would be. <laughs> yeah, the VIG uh, badges, and maybe their companions. Like, they can buy stuff, like, make them VIG companions. I guess like a fellowship with a little badge. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, press badges get in an hour early on Thursday morning. Uh-huh. Uh, That's not much time. No, it's not much time, because there's a lot. I mean, I ended up, because I, I already knew the place I was going to go mm-hmm. to look at stuff. Um, having made a big interactive map of the entire exhibit hall before I knew I was there. Right. Um, so I knew where I was going. But as a press member, you cannot purchase, make any purchases in that hour. So you have to wait until the exhibit hall actually opens right. to make purchases. Because I guess uh, you're supposed to be doing Presley stuff. You right. Know, uh, doing interviews, making comments, taking pictures, whatever. But an hour's not enough time. I thought that like the whole Wednesday... They had the expo hall open for Wednesday is called Trade Day, and yeah. that you can get a press your press badge allows you to get into that, which is like a hundred dollars extra on top of everything else. But it's mostly seminars. 
Really? So, like, uh, from my understanding, well, actually, from my understanding and observations on Thursday morning, not uh-huh. all the exhibits are even set up because there are people still setting up. Really? As I was trying to talk with people about games. So. Yeah, they don't cater to press for shit because you. Uh, there's no way one man could see a third of everything in the expo hall in an yeah, hour. Yeah, I think it, it would be a good idea to get in an hour early every day. That'd mm-hmm. be nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, or maybe but, an hour after the expo hall closes too. Yeah, well, I mean, well, remember we were playing that we were demoing the Game of Thrones battles of. Westeros? Westeros, Westeros. Yeah. Uh And the designer there said that they've been kicking them out early, like yeah. earlier than, than usual. Right. Cause... Well, he said that they'd never really cared. Um... Right, yeah, I imagine a bunch of the exhibitors get together and demo each other's crap right. the whole evening. Like, right. That's the way I'd do it. That's the way I'd roll if I was yeah. in there. Right. But, yeah, from judging from what he was saying, you know, they've, they've been um, pretty strict about getting them out hmm. right after the hall closes. Right. I don't know if that has something to do with maybe the expansion and um, maybe the convention center itself, some something that's going on there or what. Do you remember, like, I don't ever remember the years past where they were, like, announcing, like, you know, Jin Gun people. You've got 15. Yes. No, they've done they've that. They've done that every yes. year. Okay. Because yeah. I've never really hung out. I hung out at the Expo Hall a lot more this year than I have before because my goal was I wanted to play test and demo as much mm. stuff as possible. Yes. No, they, yeah, they do do the announcements saying, you know, you, you've only got 10 minutes or whatever, and then the Expo, Expo Hall is closed. Right. Yeah, they've done that in years past. Right. Um, so so um, I say I didn't make it there. Thir- I thought I was going to attend all four days, but. Uh, um, I decided at the last minute stuff was so busy at work and I was kind of just in, in a funk that I wasn't going to take any days off and bang him for when I was in a better mood. But Thursday, uh, Jim and I headed into downtown and we got our badges, which by seven o'clock on Thursday night, there was nobody in line for badges. So we just uh, got, you in. are lucky because 12 hours earlier, the badge registration is actually in the, if, if you're looking at it from the South, mm-hmm. From Maryland Street, mm-hmm. so your back is to the Capitol, mm-hmm. um, and it's in that northwest. So it's on the left side of the convention hall. It's kind of located the the registration stuff is all located in the northeast corner. Well, it went from the registration area through all the you know how they clump up the line. You know they double back the lines, right? With the uh, stanchions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It went all the way from Capitol Street out the door oh, sure. on the other side to West Street and mm-hmm. doubled back. Mm-hmm. It was insane because I got there and I was like, wow, look at this line. You uh-huh. know? Um, thank goodness I didn't have to stand there because all I had to do was go to the press room and right. present my idea. I was third, like third in line. Huh. So... Yeah, I've been there. The very first, I've learned a lot about Gen Con in the four years I've attended. And the first year I went, I went like, you know, at right right around opening or midday on Thursday, and I waited about an hour and twenty minutes to get my badge. And then I went to the event registration and waited another hour to get yeah, all my event tickets nuts. and stuff. So I will say that I looked over at the event registration and it was like wrapped back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, even on Thursday night. Yeah, no, you, uh, I mean, if you are planning on attending Gen Con, you really need to do pre-registration. Yes. That's you the get way, your badge that's mailed to, to you. That's the way to go. 
You get your along with your tickets. Mm-hmm. There's and no you get a discount. Yes, you get a ten dollar discount off your badge. Right. Um, and then a lot of the things, you know, again, hindsight, uh, a lot of the special events are, they sell out quite a bit in advance of Gen Yeah, Gen you have to be, when event registration opens up, you need to be there and whoever you're gaming with, if uh-huh. you plan on gaming together, right, need to be grabbing your stuff at the same time. Now there is uh, an advantage, you can buy up to two event tickets mm-hmm. for yourself. Right. So that means for whatever you're doing, you can buy you and up to one other guy mm-hmm. uh, tickets for one other person right so that you know if you have a if you have a group of four and the two of you can actually be there when that registration opens up you can cover everybody um so yeah like stuff like true dungeon right it's gone in minutes there's st- uh, there were still true dungeons to be found there's true dungeons to be found but mostly it's it's when you get there on site right and you have to have generics yeah and when you we can't talk- guarantee you're going to be in the same group. Right, which sucks. Uh, we, we talked about True Dungeon enough. I want to... Um, so Thursday, after we got our badges, uh, they also were... I've never seen them be out of programs ever before. They're out of programs. They're wow. out of programs, which is a Gen Con must. If you're like, you know, you don't have a program, you don't know what the hell is going on. Anymore. Whereas if you do, you've got roughly 190 pages of stuff to do all the time. Um, so I was like, that was kind of, cause we were, our plan was to go over to the Ram Brewery and to kind of pour through and find out things we want to do. So we came up with a new plan, which is still go over to Ram's Brewery and just drink. Uh, and <laughs> did you I, not collect your bag? Yeah, I got our bag. We got our bag. They didn't have the program guide in the bag? No, they ran out. Really? They ran out. That's the only day I saw them run out. The other days, like even at the end of the day, there were still, you could find a kiosk that had, and those, yeah, they have those things on. have to cost like five bucks to print out. They're a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, they do have a lot of there's like freaking advertisements all over it. So you, maybe you know what's not. funny is that you could have got a digital version of the of the program. Really? Yeah. A I digital wonder version. I, I wonder if I'd like that better because just, just an aside, full text search, man. Just as an aside, I've got a Kindle and I've been basically buying all my books in digital format of late and. I thought it's the coolest thing since sliced bread, and it is. Until last week, I was going through a, a book that I've read before, and I'm trying to find a particular passage. And normally, I would I know approximately where in the book it's at, and I'm kind of scanning for keywords, and I would just go through and thumb through r- rapidly until I found the page. It's hard as hell to do that in the Kindle because it takes like a, a quarter of a second to f- you know do each page, really? and a full text search takes forever. And also, it's like. Uh, if I wanted to find where, you know, uh, Harry, like I was reading um, the Dresden Files, the one thing we'll find where Harry got an eyebrow burnt off. <laughs> if you search for eyebrow, you'll come across dozens of hits. If you search for cross or burn, if you draw, search for eyebrow burnt, you're not going to get anything. Right. It's like a really primitive version of search. Contiguous, right. Yeah. They need to, like, Google type context searching on the Kindles before you can just That's do that kind of. I bet, uh, you, I, well, you probably know this too. The. Digital copy of the Gen Con program would not mm-hmm. work on a Kindle very well. Really? Yeah, the Im- I mean, I imagine it's all laid out with tables, and you have yeah. tons of images and background images. Or if you had an it iPad, just though. look like shit. Now, so. on the iPad, that would be different. iPad would probably render just fine. You know what's funny about that is that um, that's a, one difference in um, Gen Con and PAX is Gen Con... I saw a handful of hand, handheld gaming devices and a couple iPads, and you know everybody's got smartphones, but hardly any laptops. Packs, 
every other person has got an iPad or a netbook or everyone's got DSs and all that kind of stuff. There's not a lot of video game going on. There was a classic arcade uh, here at, at, at the Gen Con, and there was, like, a very small kind of, like, you know, beat-up-looking uh, console area that had, like, all the different generation consoles and some emulators and stuff to be had. But this is... A, you know, for the first time, also, I thought that there wasn't a lot of, hardly any video games at all in the expo yeah, floor. Yeah, no, there, yeah, because usually Turbine showing, uh, Blizzard's there with mm-hmm. the Warcraft stuff. But yeah, there's none of that. The only video game I actually saw I saw was, Blizzard had some kiosks over in the, the CCG area. Did they? Right. You know, for their... Well, I know a Cryptologic. Right. Yeah, I think that I'm pronouncing. I thought that. it was Cryptozoic. Yeah, yeah, Cryptozoic. Yeah, Cryptozoic. Who has a license for the World of Warcraft mm-hmm. trading card yep. game? Right. They yeah. had a fairly large presence there, but uh, since I don't do any of that crap, right? Card games. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I didn't see any Blizzard stuff. I mean, nothing was in the exhibit hall. Now we talked about the RAM, and the RAM had the completely redone menu. And they had a little bit of decoration, mostly in the form uh, of like uh, vendor banners. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any cosplaying going on by the staff. They were showing, when I was there, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies on, like, different loops and stuff, which is kind of entertaining. And then they showed the tran- Transformers 2, which oh. was actually, like, turned into a bar-wide MST3K. <laughs> you know, I'd never seen that. Uh, did you know that that movie has, um, like, the, the Constructicons, when they turned into the Constructicon giant monster... It had giant balls, no. like giant testicles, like really? wrecking balls were spun together between no his way. legs like giant steel balls. No way. That's what I said for a good five minutes. No way. No <laughs> way. No way is this happening. Um, uh, yeah, speaking of you know restaurants, the Ram used to be the number one destination sure. for like anything beyond fast food at right. Con. They used to be open like almost twenty four hours. Right. They used to do Down more decorations. Yeah, I mean, the manager. But why? What happened? There was a change in management. Mm-hmm. So it's not been the case. However, Scotty's Brew House, which is another block or yep. two away, I believe, has usurped the throne yep. for the number one for gamers sure. destination. Um, Indy Dave. He's mm-hmm. known as Indy Dave on the Gen Con forums, mm-hmm. and I believe in Twitter. Uh, it's, you know, Indy Dave, uh, just search for Indy Dave, uh, Scotty's Brewhouse, Twitter, you'll right. find his account there. Well, Dave has done a real, he's the general manager of the downtown Scotty's. Right. Um, so he's not Scotty, mm-hmm. who's busy doing other things. Right. But I, I believe that Dave is probably the guy who's instrumental in bringing, uh, you know, uh, catering to Gen Con for the downtown location. Uh, they do... A different colored dice every day. You can collect all four this year. Mm-hmm. If you collected all four, they go fast. Right. If you collected all four, you could get a free uh, card stock digital thing from Fat Dragon Games. Oh, yeah. Which was a doubles as a dice tower mm-hmm. and GM screen. That's cool. I think it's called the Ultimate DM screen or something from right. Fat, Fat Dragon Games. Uh, and uh, they get the 501st. Which is the Stormtrooper. I mean, I got my picture taken with mm-hmm. a very good Darth Vader. There's a Tusken Raider there, several Stormtroopers. All of their staff that I could tell were cosplaying of some sort, or at least wearing a Batman shirt or you right. know, something. 
Um, which I think is kind of funny that they actually have a staff meeting. It's like, you have to dress up like a nerd all weekend long. Right. You know, it's like or a slut. That's their pay, that's their, their pieces of flair. Oh, yeah, I saw a Robin that was pretty hot. Yeah. Um, so, and they had... They have events there from before Gen Con, starting at the very beginning of the week. They have mm-hmm. events there about gaming events. Wow, you can do Castles and Crusades. Wow. Which is a uh, it's a retro clone of, like, first edition D&D mm-hmm. that's been revamped underneath, mm-hmm. you know, like the new OGL license and stuff like that and re-released. Uh, they had R.A. Salvatore there. Who, no way. Yes, doing signings on wow. Saturday. He was there from 8 to 10 doing signings, and of course, R.A. Salvatore, or I hear some people pronounce his name Salvatore, he uh, wrote the Dritz do Erden long line of Forgotten Realms novels, and he also, he's done his own things like the Demon Sword or Demon Stone or What's something. What's his like. main character? The guy that's got the tiger. The, dr- the, the, the Dritz do Erden. Okay. Cause and it's a panther. Panther, because he, he had Lindwivar. a they had a pretty badass statue uh, statue of him the prowling second the second floor. Gym, yep. Yeah, that's from the RPGA. And they had a really sweet beholder in the uh, yeah, D&D that's been there room. before. Really, and the troll like on the very first level near the I've never seen it before. Southern right? thing that's also yeah, both of those made their debuts a couple years ago. Huh. So the Dritz statue's new, right? And then they also last year they debuted a because D and D came out with a beginner's box, mm-hmm. the red box. It was like reminiscent of the right. old box set, the red box set. And they had a three D dragon um, display, and then I believe they actually put that at the airport this year. Huh. So people coming in from flights would see, you know, sweet, yeah. sweet. So um, so what did you do Thursday night other than? You know, like I said, I did. I basically went to the Ram, and then I did have an experience. After that, I uh, I came I came back and found the open gaming tables, where they have a whole kind of like pavilion dedicated to just open gaming. Got out my box of Bang and started playing with my group, and we ended up swapping, rotating in three people from the crowd that that gathered to watch us play Bang, and that was a good a good time. Well, Thursday it was a lot of walking through Ziba Hall for me because I got there first out of all my group because mm-hmm. the press badge, right? Then I went through there with the press badge, and then as people trickled in, we'd take another trip through the exhibit hall, uh, and then as another trip through the exhibit hall. Right. And then we ended up, I think we capped off the night at Scotty's, mm-hmm. and then uh, we went back to my house, which you know is in Franklin, so it's only about a 35, 40-minute drive from downtown. Mm-hmm. And then Friday night, or Friday, oh, wait a second, let me talk about the White Wolf fiasco. Yeah, <clears throat> so because that was like a highlight you were talking about. In yeah, the always they do the Succubus Club, right? Uh huh. So we swing by the White Wolf booth, and uh, I won't name any names, but <laughs> the guy who was running the booth was talking with with a fan, and talking with a fan, and talking with the same fan for like I know shit twenty minutes. Uh huh. Finally, he pays attention to me because uh, one of the models, one of the Tim Bradstreet models, whom they were signing, she was signing posters. She's in it. It's mm-hmm. for the new 20th anniversary Vampire the Masquerade book that's coming out. Anyways, right. you know, she finally nudged him and was like, hey, you know, there's like three guys here waiting to talk to you. And so we were talking to him about the Succubus Club, which is usually a Saturday night affair, uh, open bar. It's DJ'd the whole nine yards. Well, I have a funny feeling that White Wolf has kind of become more of a write-off for CCP, which are the people who own Evo, Evo Online MMO. They bought out White Wolf, and they're making a World of Darkness MMO. Mm-hmm. 
So their booth was really small. Last year they had a bar there. And the booth? Yeah, it was a bar. That served alcohol. Served alcohol. In the expo hall. Yes. Wow. This year's like, well, it was probably about the ta- about the size of this table on one side and then, you know, about 10 feet deep. Wow. So they got the standard exhibitor booth. Yeah, the standard. The smallest ex- you can yes, get. the smallest you can get. They had Damn. it. Damn. And they were sharing an end cap with drive-thru RPG. Oh, my God. So, you know, so he hands us these tickets, these little blue tickets. They're like, okay. And he explains it to me. We're doing it different this year. Uh-huh. This year, we're doing it once. We're doing this thing every night. That sounded intriguing. I was like, oh, every fucking night? Mm-hmm. Wow. These guys are getting down. Right. We're not renting any place like the dance clubs they used to. Right. It's going to be in their presidential suite hotel room. Okay. And it's just going to be very few, very, very few. Like before, you'd have hundreds of people. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But now we're talking like less than 50. Right. So we got our passes. And it happened to be at the Omni Hotel. Mm-hmm. So that night, after capping things off at Scotty's on Thursday night, we swing by the Omni. And we go up there and we're like, you know, what floor? We go to the desk. What floor is the presidential suite on? Well, we have multiple suites, sir. I need a name so we can call ahead. Uh-huh. <sighs> and... Did you try to be like uh, no? Well, white what wolf? I said, well, no. What I what I said was, well, we got you know. I showed them the pass, uh-huh. and immediately they went into defensive mode, uh huh. You know, because I was like, you know, this is the one we want to go to. I don't know what name you're going to call up, right? I don't know who's it's registered in. I mean, I could have you know dropped some white wolf people that were theirs names, but mm-hmm. there's no guarantee that that's who is in the presidential suite. So they immediately went into defensive mode, and they're like, well. We need a name, and there are no parties allowed here. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there, it's not a party. She's like, well, the ticket explicitly states there's a party. And I was like, well, you explicitly read wrong. Uh-huh. Because it says, come have a drink with us. Right. You know, this is a VIP ticket to the White Wolf. Uh, it says, uh, you know, White Wolf something or other. But not, at no point does it say party, ever, right. explicitly, never. Right. I guess you can... Although that's what it is. Infer, that's what it yeah, is. Right. You can infer that there's going to be a party if you're asking people to come up and have right. a drink with you, right? Right. Well, whatever. So it's a gathering of friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's this woman tried to yank it out of my fucking hand. Really? She's like, let me see it, sir. And I was like, no. Because I at this point, I was like, okay, these people are getting upset. Uh-huh. Because she told me this is not the first time we've seen it. Really? You know, and I'm like, okay, so I don't I don't feel like contributing why to getting why, anybody pissed yeah, off, you well, know, they, getting anybody in trouble. So their experiment failed. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know how many people actually made it up to the presidential suite. I was almost to the point where, fuck it, I'll just take the elevator up. It's got to be in the upper floors. Right. right? In the corner somewhere, and mm-hmm. I'll just find out where, I'll just listen, mm-hmm. see where shit's happening. And I was like, fuck it, it's not even worth it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like getting in trouble, whatever. And so I didn't even revisit mm-hmm. the White Wolf booth. Ever I was going to say, I wonder if you asked him, like, what was up. No, I didn't care. Yeah. Um. I mean, if I wanted to find out, I guess I could... Because you know, I kind of have online contacts with White Wolf that I would feel comfortable talking with that about. But frankly, I just got so put off. I said, fuck it. Um, but yeah. Ugh. And that kind of, you know what? That kind of set the state. Like, this Gen Con was not my favorite Gen Con. Really? Well, one, I didn't pre-register for any events. Right. So, most so you were walking was, around like the Connor of the Damned. Yeah. And we, we did try to get in a couple events. Uh, me and my buddies are big Pathfinder fans. 
and they were running... Which Pathfinder, if you don't know, is kind of like D&D 3.75. Right. It's the latest edition, or it's the latest iterative of the third edition of the world's oldest role-playing game. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's like uh, when Wizards went 4E... Went with fourth edition, kind yeah. of fucked up the like, licensing, that, right? Um, and Paizo used to do Dragon Magazine and Dungeon, the right. print versions. Mm-hmm. But Dragon had this whole digital initiative, and kind of they didn't yank it out from underneath them. But there's kind of no forewarning that hey, you won't be able to renew your license with this, right? So I kind of get the feeling that Paizo said, "Well, fuck you guys, we're going to do our own thing," and hence Pathfinder was born. Uh, but we're real, we're big fans of that, and they were running a module we were wanting to play called Weeby Goblins. All the player characters are goblins. Huh. So it was, it was really fun, like a tongue-in-cheek type thing, and we tried to get in on it with generics. But I tell you what, the Pathfinder Society room was just blowing up. The lines formed like f- 55 minutes before the next Damn. slots opened. By five after, I was 20 people back in the fucking line. Wow. So this is 55 minutes before the next thing start, started. Mm-hmm. They had, I believe their room size had doubled from last year. So Paizo and Pathfinder Society is really growing. It's a good thing. I mm-hmm. like seeing that. Um, you know, and they're partnering with more people. So, you know, Wizards, there's no more D&D miniatures, but there's Pathfinder minis on the horizon. Right. Which we yeah. talked about that a little bit. That's bullshit. Yeah. Four dollars for a single random miniature. Yes. That's a tough. That's no, a tough for a mo- single medium based, so medium size. Okay, which you might get size, two small. You might get two halflings or something. I don't know what the fuck. Right. Or Relentless six dollars. Six dollars for a random large. Right. Which is fucking expensive. I don't know about that model. Again, you know. Right. My model would be to release non-random hordes. Right. Like, so you have a package of 20 to 40 miniatures, non-random. You see what you're getting. They're built specifically. Like, they do Pathfinder. Paizo's bread and butter is the Adventure Path, which is basically six books that comprises a whole campaign. Mm-hmm. So it takes characters from low level to epic level. You right. know, that's, that's it. So, you know, you release box sets of minis based on these uh, campaign setting type things. I think that would be golden. Right. But obviously, they're in partnership with WizKids. WizKids' bread and butter is random collector-itis fucking... Hero clicks. Stuff. But even so. they do, like, you know, for 10 bucks, you get three random minis. Yeah, well, if you see the pictures, these these are different quality than... They're higher quality? I would say so. Okay. I think they don't meet my taste for miniatures, fantasy miniatures... The paint schemes and the sculpture style kind of seems to be a little bit on the anime side for me. Uh, well, plus, when you're talking about fantasy, you're talking about, like, metal, you know, assembled, painstakingly paint, or painstakingly hand-painted. Uh, I mean, no mass-produced plastic models ever going to be. No, like but, you know, when I say style, the, I, don't, I like the D&D style of many, the D&D gotcha. miniature style. Gotcha. So, was, you know, staple fantasy stuff, mm-hmm. not very stylized. Uh, of right. course, Paizo also has a, an agreement with Reaper Miniatures mm-hmm. for the full metal paint drone type shit, which right. are excellent, and right. they're priced about the same, hmm. but you see what you're getting. Right. And it's Well, metal. they said, yeah. I, I back when I used to be in the minis, they, I heard that the philosophy was you could have good, non-random, cheap, pick two. 
So if you wanted good and cheap, you had to go random. random. And if you wanted, you know, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, they try to ex- they do a good job explaining because here's the thing. So you can't if you go non-random, but you still want to fill all the all the niches, right? So mm-hmm. you get your halfling clerics or something. Uh, then if you do them single packs, now here's the thing, it's all behind the concept of single packs. Mm-hmm. So those single packs of halfling clerics, only there's only going to be one bought. And so you're going to have a shit ton of stock that's never sold. Sure. Which is why I say you go with the box set. Mm-hmm. The box set of 20 to 40. Right. Boom, you put in all the niche, um, race, class combinations, and all the rare shit that you wouldn't see, but you also put in all the stuff that people really want. Right. So, you know, I mean, I would kill for a goblinoid army box set, you know, where I get like 20 goblins and 10 hobgoblins and a bunch of orcs or something, you know. Do you think they'll ever get to where, uh, you know, the, the kind of manufacture on demand or almost print, you it's know, three-dimensional there. print? So, like, you go on, a, like, a Paizo website and say, I want this particular character, and it'll actually manufacture, ship it, and send it to you. I think is that yeah. the salvation for miniatures? I think that's yeah because I I've I, I did a lot of research on kind of uh, you know 3D printing the stuff. The state of the 3D printing, right? A few years ago, and there's a nice a nice website called Shapeways where you can send in your own stuff. Like if, you, uh-huh. if you're a 3D modeler, or if you have access to 3D scanning, so you'd be uh-huh. like, wow, I love that mini, so right. I'll scan that fucker and then have right. it printed. I mean, not too. I'm sure that infringes on a multiple multiple copyrights, but well, say, yeah. But anyway, so th- I would say, and therefore, while you could get 3D printed versions of your war- World of Warcraft character, right. so I remember stuff came out like that. Um, I believe that it's not here yet, but within the next five or so years, we're going to see where that stuff is going to be cheap and readily available. So, and there's probably be a lot of people doing their own stuff, like businesses, right. Uh, doing that kind of stuff. Um, I got to say that, like, I had three... I always come in with, like, three goals for any con that I go to. And I've had... uh, This one goal has been unfulfilled for four fucking years now. And that is to play a Call of Cthulhu game. Why do you have to wait for a con to do that? Well, because I don't know anyone that has the source books and knows how to GM and all that kind of stuff. And they've got multiple. And I got there, and... Every single one of them started at 11 a.m. or before. And if you know how Aaron rolls, <laughs> especially on cons where I'm up till and I didn't go to bed before 3 o'clock every morning, basically. Because um, I was either out drinking or we came home and we, we watched some goofy money, uh, drank and watched goofy movies here. But it's really rough. The only time, like last year, I had to make two 8 o'clock appointments to make the stupid... Axis and Allies tournament, and that almost killed me. In fact, I showed up 30 minutes late to one, and thank God my partner showed up on time because I, well, we'd have been disqualified. But holy shit, that 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 was kind of rough uh, to to hit that bell for a game that I've never played before. So I still, I'm going on my fifth Gen Con next year, and I haven't yet to play Call of Cthulhu or Cthulhu or whatever you pronounce Cthulhu. it. Cthulhu, yeah, Cthulhu. Um, yeah, you know what's funny is that this was the first year I saw Chaos. Chaosium there too in a long oh, time, yeah. which are the printers, the, uh, publishers, the publishers of, of uh, mm-hmm. Call of Cthulhu um, RPG. 
dude, there's tons of role players around here. You don't, I guess I you guess. don't know them. I don't, I don't I've never ran a Call of Cthulhu game, but right. I've, I've played them. Right. Because uh, that's the only one that's like got a really unique flavor mechanics and everything. I've been wanting to try that. The other two goals well, yeah, I yeah, I mean, there's no, <laughs> it's kind of bleak. It's got a bleak yes. outlook. Yes. You're, you're going to go insane and die. Probably. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because uh, PAX I played uh, this earlier this year, I played the first time. Um, Arkham Horror? Not the Mansions of Madness. Yeah, Arkham Horror from Fantasy Flight. And it's got the similar, the board's probably going to be- beat your ass. Mm-hmm. We ended up winning by the skin of our teeth. And that was like, you know, a cool moment because we had played, we played with six people and like only two of them played and there was four like virgins. And the fact that we beat the board is pretty cool. Um, but I had two other goals and none of them happened this year. I wanted to get a foam shield for my boy because uh-huh. there's a couple of play- booths that make these like, very real looking foam weapons the and epic armor, armory. And epic armory, right? Yeah. And I, I've gotten Jack tons. Like he's got a Nerf axe and a Nerf sword and a Nerf katana, and we tear the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. I, when Jack was two, I bought him a basically a dagger, but like with the the Hobbit principle of you give a, a Hobbit a dagger, it looks like a sword. And it still looks as good new as the day I bought it three years ago. And then last year I got him a long sword. Um, that he's graduated to. And again, this is a kid who beats the stuff on concrete and the skin still looks nice and it's all shiny and it looks perfect. Um, and so this year I was going to get him a shield because last year I went, they had really cool kind of round bucklers, maybe 14 inches diameter with some straps uh, and had like cool dragon patterns on them and like little, you know, molded rivets and it looked like it was mm-hmm. a, a very cool. Um, and they were about 60 bucks. So I'm like, I'm going to get him one of those and I want to get myself a pipe because they had. Last year, same place, had a couple of really nice functional pipes that looked like the Aragorn Ranger pipe. Or there was one Gandalf pipe that was built oh, into, yeah. like, the staff, like he had. Right. And lots of, like, really cool, and they had It'd removable mouthpieces. It would be nice if you could blow smoke. <laughs> a smoke ship. Smoke ships. Yeah, smoke man of war. <laughs> um, but I went up, and I'm like, okay, they had shields, but they were all, like, $130, and they weighed, like, 20 pounds, and they had giant... I mean, they were, no, like... they had the one $60 one. It would look like shit, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, it wasn't detailed yeah, at all. I believe we're talking about medieval collectibles. Right. They uh, are the U.S. importer for Epic Armor, Epic which Armor, is made right. in Denmark. Right. Um and they're local to Indiana. I just found so that was the, the that yeah. was the silver lining because I even <laughs> I said what I said well are these only shields you've got and she was like yeah and I'm like what about the pipes you don't have pipes she's like well pipes weren't a big seller last year so they brought we brought the pistols yeah they brought like the pirate of the Caribbean style fake pistols which were cool yeah they were cool they also had a six shooter yeah and a three gun. And uh, a prop replica Johnny Depp. Walking around the booth when we were there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this guy was cosplaying as Captain Jack Sparrow, and he, he was, doing a damn good job yeah, of it. Good, he was all wobbly, and... He had all the makeup, and he looked, you know, convincingly like Fidgeted him. with everything, just yeah. like, yeah, it was uh-huh. a good good cosplay. Uh, but uh-huh. I was really disappointed that I struck out on all three of my deals. Uh-huh. But I did get to play a lot of games. Um, I'll talk about the ones we played together. First up was the Lego... Um, Heroica. Heroica, mm-hmm. which I think it's be fun for kids, but as an adult, it right. was not that great. It's kind of, yeah, it's limited for adults, I'd say. There's not much going on. It's all very, like, whatever you roll is kind of it. Yeah. Unless you're next to a monster, then you roll. 
It's kind of like shoots and ladders with So you combat. get maybe two rolls, that's it. Yeah. yeah that's, it's it's yeah. shoots and ladders with a combat. But I, I, it would be ve- I think it would be very cool for kids in the, what, maybe six to ten-year-old range. Yeah. Because they have several different sets. And you can build them all on top of each other. And they have, like, you know, because they got this, like, kind of... Um, and the other thing that was pretty sweet is they have micro minis. So it looks like a Lego mini shrunk down to a quarter of its size. Right, and it fits it, on just one little... It fits on, like, one of the little blisters. Yeah, whatever you, know? you call those things. So it's like, I guess it's the size of a Lego minifig's leg. Mm-hmm. Only with a head on top of it. Right. There's no arms, but they all looked like, you know, there was, a, there was like, a, what, a thief and a barbarian and a wizard. I think I think I, it's going to be fun to play with my boy, but I was hoping that it would actually be fun <sighs> on its own. I would like to see maybe some homebrew rules for it. You know what I mean? Well, you can make some homebrew levels. I mean, because it's it's oh, yeah. super easy to make. Um, yeah, and since they all build on top of each other, that'd be I think it'd be cool, right? For kids. The other thing we played together was there was a ton of Game of Thrones shit there yeah. at the convention. Fantasy, Fantasy Flight. Flight owns basically the whole license. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, they had a card game, a board game. Uh, and what we played, which was Battles of Westeros, like a miniature uh-huh. battles game, and it Skirmish. was really cool. This was uh, and and it was actually demoed by the guy who designed it, which was Rob Kuba, I guess is his name. Yes, and I found that out halfway through the stuff because it's not like he was bragging or anything. Well, that's one of the cool things about Gen Con is that if you go there and you demo a game, the mm-hmm. chances of the designer of that game running the demo yeah. are fairly high. Yeah. Yeah. Really high. In fact, the only game I found that that wasn't the case was, um, and Eric and Jesse will, from the Personal Arrogance crew will appreciate this. I played Blood Bowl League Manager, which is a CCG that they designed. And I'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, the designer couldn't be there because he was sick. Um, but this is a basically a two-player game, and it had a whole bunch of, it's got like, I don't know, a hundred miniatures in it probably. And the game that we played, all the miniatures were fully painted. Like yeah, by a professional it doesn't painter. come that way. No, 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 no. It all comes like they're molded one yeah. color. But having them, I, in fact, when I finally, because I've decided I'm going to get this game, when I finally get the game, it's going to be kind of a disappointment the first couple times <laughs> I play because not everything's all like painted by an expert paintist. Yeah. Uh, what do you I think, think of the game? Well, I think we we're, we're both, because also Jim, he, he was playing on your side and I was playing with, some dude, yeah, some stranger. Because it's 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 they do have. It's actually a two player. player. Yeah, it's meant to be two players, but I think they have multiplayer rules. There's an errata that's for gonna it. Going to come out. Yeah, that, like a downloaded additional thing. Right. So, I think at first it seemed kind of very simple, maybe too simple. Mm-hmm. But as we started playing, the tactics actually because it's kind of a strategy. You have mm-hmm. to know like because if you route your enemy, you got to understand how it's going to route and then place your, you know, make sure that you've placed your other armies appropriately so that instead of just escaping, they actually die. Right. Uh, and, you know, like the special, the cards that, that lend the commander special powers, mm-hmm. I think that adds a lot to it. Right. Um, so, like, I I went up there with Gregor the Mountain mm-hmm. and almost obliterated one of your elite units. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's the other cool because each each unit is colored uh, green, blue, red. Uh, in order and if of you're toughness. colorblind, it can yeah. be rough. We I did yeah. realize that the shields, the different colored shields, had different patterns. So even yeah. if you're colorblind, you'd eventually learn the the thing. But yeah, but I thought it was neat because they got eight sided dice. You got a banner icon, which makes if you roll those, it makes the enemy you route them, they retreat. You've got a like a a purple 
castle looking symbol that's a wild. No, uh, it's not a castle. It's a mailed hand. A gauntlet. Okay. Yeah. And that, that you can make that be anything you want. And then there's three greens, two blue, and one red symbol, yeah. I think. Uh, so what it's that basically purple, means. Blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what that means is basically the green units are wimps because when you're rolling you have a higher percentage to roll a green which means they lose a unit exactly and conversely the red are tough because only one out of eight times are you going to actually hit them well two because they're wild oh the wild right right and you also have your dice depend on your unit too how many dice you roll right so you could roll one to Two. Four? Oh, there. Yeah, there's four up to four yeah. dice. One to four. Um, but I thought it was pretty fun because you're right. There was a couple of novel things like when it's just played on a hexagonal grid. So when two melee units engage each other, they actually have an engagement icon that looks like a set of iron teeth that you lay on the between. grid between them. Mm-hmm. And what that means is now these units are locked in combat. So if any unit decides to retreat, the other gets a parting shot. So it's kind of like uh, you know an attack of opportunity. The other thing is any other unit that you in, engages them gets to flank. Right, because they don't really engage. Right, which that means is when you roll a die, whatever the result is, you can pick one color to re-roll. Right. So, like, you know, if you're attacking a red unit and you rolled three green, you can say, I'm going to take these three green and re-roll them and hopefully right. get another red hit. Um, and, again, the retreat rules, like, however... Whichever side you're attacking on, if you if you route them, they try to retreat directly behind. Right. There's a primary and a secondary route. Right, and that's some of the, a lot of the skill is cutting off those avenues of retreat. So you're kind of like putting them into a pincher. Right, and the train put, plays factor in that, so they yep. can't retreat across the river unless there's a ford there. Right. So when they do, they end up drowning. Right. I guess. <laughs> you guys basically kicked our ass because your archers decimated oh, us. Oh yeah. Well, we lined up some pretty good things there. Yeah. So yeah, the your foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. Well, in the upper right hand corner, we basically had foot troops because we were. Each other. We and then were... you had your cal- your cavalry came down there and pretty much. Yeah, was whooping ass down there, and and it's too bad because I I found out the hound because we were playing the uh, Starks, so we had some mounted cavalry. We had um a bu- we had I think we had one archer unit. We had, but we had these houndsmen, which right. I didn't know what they did, but if they don't move for a full turn, kennel can, masters, kennel masters, you can yeah. unleash them for like a a, a a a range of four ranged attack, which is the flavor is basically the guys are working the dogs up into a frenzy, and then they let slip the dogs. Oh, war, really? That's and awesome. the dogs go out and like maul the yeah, troops. Well, that and we only had back. four rounds of combat right. before the convention hall closed. Right, so that right. kind of sucked. Right. Um. But yeah, and I was playing the Lannisters. You're playing the Lannisters. uh, What happens to those who lie with lions, don't you? They get strung up. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I actually want to buy this for nothing else, but there's very few awesome tactical two-player games that you can finish in like 90 minutes, so I think that's perfect for Jim and I. Um, But it's 80 bucks. Was it eighty? Eighty dollars. Well, I thought it was like sixty or something. No, it was eighty dollars. Pretty pricey. But it has like a hundred and twenty miniatures. Well, and it has yeah. ten different scenarios with different. And it's all all the scenarios are based, or most of the scenarios are based from actual events in the books. Yes, they're supposedly each take, is taken from a, a battle, and they go from like beginner all the way to like you know every you know right. multiple armies on the map and all this kind of stuff. So and the, the scenarios determine like advantages and disadvantages, right? So it's all difficulties. Like the it's all balanced based on the scenario, right? Um, but I I like I probably want to buy it. But the thing about other thing about Gen Con is there's all these first parties there, 
So there's very few, like if you want to buy a Fantasy Flight game, there's not a lot of booths of just generic well, sellers. Fantasy Flight games is there. I know, and I wonder if that's part of the restrictions. I want, no, I don't know. Because I saw some booths, you know, um, um, Rio Grande was a big booth member, and I saw a couple booths that were selling Rio Grande games at a pretty significant really? discount on some. Yeah, I don't think they prevent other people from coming there. But uh, none of the first-party games mostly. Would be if you're after RPG books or right. war game miniatures, there's where you get the discounts. That's and there's tons of retailers for that on the Sunday discount. So Sunday, yeah, it's like buy one get five free at right. some places, man. But I mean, well, I was to like, be honest, most of those books that they're selling is books that I'd never get anyways. I don't no. care how free it is. Not at this point, like packs. There's like a frenzy in the last hour where people are like, "You got cash? Well, it's twenty percent off." And really? you know, this or where this, um, there weren't a lot of good deals. And Zincon's I'm thinking, not very much like that. I'm thinking that what I really want to do is if if I can't get the Battles of Westeros before or you know at packs for a discount, I'll probably order it online. Mm. But um, yeah, yeah I can definitely see where you that. can get it for like fifty one dollars there. Right. Where is it? Uh, boards and bits. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, I got I got board game geeks open. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. probably open. And oh, did you know the other thing is the min- you have to assemble the miniatures. There's assembly. Yeah, every one of them have to be put on their bases. Oh, bases. That's and, not and bad, I, I glue them. But uh, yeah, bases aren't for bad. Eighty bucks though. I, I heard it takes well, like eighty dollars if you wanted them all assembled. You have to buy a fucking right? four foot long box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> But I hear it takes like two and a half, three hours just to put the game together. Well, that's part of the fun, right? Yeah, I think so. so some, to some Buyer people. beware, though. To some people. Uh, don't glue your fingers together. Um, uh, so that was the two that I played those. I got a couple others. What? Speaking of Fantasy Flight, while yeah. we're on the topic. Oh, yeah. You were right. Yeah, I was right. Uh, Fantasy Flight Games did indeed get the license for tabletop games from for the Star Wars mm-hmm. uh, intellectual property. And at Gen Con, they had a very rough demo of the their first game, which is called X-Wing, Miniatures mm-hmm. Battle Game. Mm-hmm. So it's X-Wings versus TIE Fighters, right. just to begin with. I don't know how far they're going to expand that or what. Uh, if you're familiar with Fantasy, Fantasy Flight, used to distribute another game called Wings of War, mm-hmm. World War II, World War One, fighter plane uh, combats. It looked very similar to that. Well, game, uh, Battles of Westeros is a reskin battle war game. Did yeah, you know that? that's what it the guy says, says on his telling. Actually, me. says yeah. on the fucking box. Right. I, I noticed it's like a battle lore system. So yeah, game. basically the designer I think just made up the scenarios mm-hmm. and then like you know refined the rules. Refined he, he said it for... that they asked him to make the like retreat rules less forgiving, and he's like, okay, you know, right. it's like anytime that I can screw over the player, right? Um, so yeah, I was not that impressed, and and I was I don't know, I just I liked Wings of War. Yeah, did you? So I think I like this game. Okay, but uh, it's basically. You decide, like, each craft has a certain type of actions it can take, and you decide on your actions you're going to take, and then before everybody does anything, and then from the player with the worst piloting skill on, you resolve your the, the things you selected. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the basic gist of it. I'm sure that, you know, because they just announced that, like, the night before Gen Con. That they had that license, right. so and all the minis were very rough, um, yeah, fragile all demo, things. Yeah. Um, they also previewed the uh, Star Wars Living Card Game. Didn't see that. I saw it, but I didn't demo it. I didn't watch it. So, but they do say that there's probably most likely going to be an RPG mm-hmm. in the works, a tabletop role playing game. 
And has Fantasy Flight ever done an RPG? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, they do the Warhammer Fantasy oh, RPG. Okay. Um, but not the actual games itself. Not the actual miniatures. Someone else has a license for that, right? For the- Warhammer. Yeah, well, Games Workshop, Games Workshop right. does the miniatures. Why the hell they, would they just do their RPG? Because they focus on the miniatures. Huh? Okay. So they license that off. Um, they also, Fantasy Flight also does the Warhammer 40K RPGs, mm-hmm. which is, it's actually three separate books. And you have, you start out with Rogue Trader, mm-hmm. and then you have Dark Heresy, mm-hmm. which is kind of like Cthulhu in space. And then you have Space Marine, or it's called, uh, excuse me. It's called Death Watch. Mm. So it's Space Marines, but it's not like full-on battles Space Marines. The right. story is you're part of the Death Watch, which is you're part of elite kill teams that right. work in small squads. So, yeah, no. So they do. They have uh, a good, a fairly solid track record of doing RPGs as well. Cool. Um, so let me see some of the other I, things. I jumped in while you're thinking. Um, I watched a round of the... Um, uh, Game of Thrones card game being played and was not very impressed just because it seemed to be very hard to follow and I don't know I just too complicated to me card games need to be a hell of a lot simpler than that oh I, I like did magic I did well it's way harder than magic really yeah and it might be because everything was just foreign new? there was yeah. like all these new mechanics and all that um, I'll, but I also watched people play the uh, Game of Thrones uh, board, game. board game, which is very Euro style, you know, resource management. Mm. I wasn't well. It seems like that would kind of be that's very seems to fit I, with Game of Thrones. I'm kind of so. now that I'm played all these Euro games. At first, I was like on fire about how awesome it was, and now I'm like, okay, you play a lot of these Euro games, and they all start once you played all the four or five archetypes, they all start playing similar. Oh yeah. Um, but then I also played. I want to touch about that the uh, the Blood Bowl. League Manager Edition, that's cool because you get to decide how long the game lasts. Because the conceit is you're playing, you're managing a team, and you put in the middle like a series of cards that flip over scenarios. And each one of those game, each one of those cards is a game that's being played in the Blood Bowl League that week. And oh. the the so so like if you want a game, and each each week takes about ten to fifteen minutes of real time to play. So if you want an hour long game, you make your your season last four four seasons or four weeks. So you have four scenarios to play, and then the final one's the Blood Bowl, which is worth more. You know, like Super Bowl. If you want to spend the whole three four hours, you do a sixteen game wow sixteen week season with the Blood Bowl culmination. But you can completely customize it, and you also can pick like if you want to have uh. You know, um, dwarves or humans or elves or I think they're they're not orcs. Maybe they are orcs. But the and there's like the orcs are a um, a tackling cheating team. So like you have the players that would have little symbols on them, and there's like a little ball, ball that like stole the ball from midfield and, and and put it in there, and the ball's worth like two points. And then there's uh, like uh, a tack, a skull token, which is tackling, where you'd roll and you'd try to tackle a guy, and then you can retackle him to injure them and boot him out of the game. <laughs> and then there's a cheat, which is a um, I can't remember what that symbol is. Maybe that's the skull. And you get that, and you get a little yeah, it is. You get a little gold skull symbol to put on your card. When all the games are over, you flip those over, and they either add points to, take points away, oh. or there's a whistle symbol that ejects the player. So, and and every every action like taking the ball, run, passing the ball, tackling is optional, except for cheating, which is always mandatory. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's like the players that cheat are going to cheat, and it was really fun. It was like 
four player, but you could really you could expand that to where like eight different players could play because you basically all the games are laid out in front of you and you put players on one side or the other to say like okay I'm going to play this game and then you go all the way around until all the games are filled up and then you start you know it's like okay you lay out your linemen and then you get your running backs and your tacklers and all that stuff and you know by the time a round is over the game's over and you win you're you're competing for fans which is how you win the game. Okay. You're competing for team upgrades where you actually can draft because um, you also have money that you can spend and you can draft players from this you know, star player deck. Mm. And then you also have coach upgrades where like, there is a uh, illegal substitution where I can choose to kill one of my own guys <laughs> who's like maybe he's on the ground or tackled already. I can choose to kill him. And then take him out of the game and replace him with anybody in my hand. Oh. And there's, uh, you know, several different others. Like, uh, you know, if you tackle a guy, you can also steal the ball. Or uh, anyone that you tackled, you can also uh, try to roll dice to injure. And it's very fun and fast-paced. Um, I, If you like Blood Bowl, I would recommend it because the game's like 20 bucks. Oh. And they sold out the first day at Gen Con. Really? They brought 500 copies. I think it was released at Gen Con. They sold out first day. But they're day. excited about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, those I also played. Uh, man, there's a cool. There's a lot of cool stuff. I got to meet the guys that make Mercs, who are local miniature game players. I didn't get a chance to play because I was really tired. I didn't want to stand in line for an hour to wait to play the system. Um, the booth next to them, they had a, a fo- another fantasy or a football type game called Third and Long. Right. Whereas, like you know, basic deck building game um, that looked like you know you got offensive players and defensive players, and you kind of you know it's yeah. it's very the simulating Mercs, football. The, the Mercs thing, I remember that the uh, movement for the miniatures was actually based on the card. So the card had actually divots that you put it around the base. And then you so you once you set it down on your base, you'd move it to the other end of the card, mm-hmm. which was pretty cool. I yeah. thought that was pretty, you know, instead of majoring shit. That was very. There's a game called a collectible, a constructible card game. They called it called Pirates. Have you ever heard of it? Where you'd buy a booster pack for like four bucks, and it would come yes. with two cardboard thick foam cards. And I you'd, remember. You'd punch yeah. out the ships and build them. And the stats card for the pirate ship, they would have a long side and a short side. And all your ranges for weapons and movement was, like, you'd get uh, two, two, 2L1S, which means you can move two long sides and a short side of a card. Ah. So I thought that was really cool how they did all that. Yeah. And, no, I've seen the pirate thing, but I've never played it. And for the first time, I demoed the uh, War Machine. Ah, one of my favorites. I like that. It was pretty fun. Did you like it? It's nice skirmish-based uh I game. think I'll prefer grid-based games better, though. Oh, it seems I, like there'd be less arguing. There, well, what? Have yeah, you ever played I, D&D? Less arguing? I've told Gets you. in a grid? What I've, the fuck? I've told... Well, that's a, usually a player's arguing with the GM, but... But still, uh, there's arguing. If there's a game and there's an advantage to be had and you think that you're being gypped that advantage, there's right. going to be arguments. But the less rigid the rules are, and you can't get less rigid than... Move wherever hell you want as long as you go. And like I, I, I heard stuff like uh, you, there's like a half inch worth of slop in the game. Like you know, if you're within, like if you get to move three inches, but you're at the end of your turn, a half inch away from the base, you can go ahead and close the melee and war and war machine. That's what well, the guy I've, told me. Yeah, you, well, your weapon has a your weapon has a half inch reach. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, he didn't explain it very well. But um, I just think it's like. Not having any kind of official playing surface to governance how you move would be rife. Or, and then that, and we talked about this. Well, my game group might just be a bunch uh, of assholes. <laughs> I, I, well, here's what I think. When you 
when you first start playing a game, uh-huh. and something like War Machine or D&D or whatever, you need to set out expectations. Right. Like, especially on a miniature war game, you have a board, this is the train, you have to say, this is the difficult train, this is where you're going to, this, this is going to impose this, this is going to impose this. And I think everything else falls into place. As long as everybody has the same expectations. Aren't you a proponent of the game group charter? Yes, I am a proponent of the charter. I think I read that on the your campaign site. campaign charter. Where basically yes. you you roll out a governing document that says, here's how we arbitrate differences, here's who has the final Here's the set. house rules. Here's the house rules, here's how long you get right. to argue before you need to fucking move on. Yes. Um, but like I said, I my group is a little yeah, bit... Yeah, and I uh, make everybody fucking sign that son of a bitch. Right. You read it, you sign it, and then... Because is yeah. Does that actually work? If someone yes. starts violating, you just will kind of wave it and say, you know. Well, I tell them to fucking leave. If they can't <laughs> abide by the fucking charter that they signed, then they're no longer welcome to play. All right. So, well, I, mean, I think that's the other thing is my group is, we've known each other since we literally, in some cases, were 12 years old. Uh, and, you know. There's one guy I game with that I've been friends with that long. And it's, it's tough to, like, tell those people to, like, just take a fucking walk. Even I think it's easier assholes. to take those, tell those guys <laughs> to fucking... <laughs> Uh, hey, asshole. Yeah. So, uh, did you see any cool uh, costumes this weekend? I saw a really cool uh, uh, Spartan, a female Spartan at that during the costume I didn't, show. I didn't see anything that blew my mind. That was the, the female Spartan was pretty cool. Yeah, but I'm the same way. I didn't see. Of course, I, I did see a trio of Warhammer cosplayers, uh huh, which inspired me to maybe do some Warhammer stuff. Yeah, talk stuff. about that a little bit. Because uh, I was going to cosplay this year with my girlfriend at the time. We were going to, she was going to go as April O'Neil, and I was going to go as Casey Jones from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But then she dumped your ass. She dumped my ass a month before <laughs> the game, and like that was like very sad. So like I was like, well, fuck that. I still want to cosplay. I just didn't I, I didn't have any idea what to do in the short notice. See, I have this superiority complex where right. I think I can do everything no. better. So now I saw <laughs> these guys now I guess one was a battle sister. So none of them was a space marine. Uh-huh. So you had like Was a, a battle sister hot? No. Oh okay. I've seen hot battle sister. I mean she's not She was I'm married, so I She wasn't a beast, right? No, she wasn't a beast. Okay. Yeah. She's a Geek five maybe okay so <laughs> right so okay. she's an LA two yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Vegas one all right so uh, <laughs> um but that like I've always thought about cosplaying but I'm like I have to have to do it I need to have like movie set or nearly movie set quality right. Work. You're going to go big or not at all. That's right. You fucking go big or go home. Mm-hmm. So you don't dress up in your mommy's fucking pajamas type right. bullshit. Or wear um, a raccoon tail coming out of your belt loop Yeah, with, and put ears on and call that cosplay. Yeah, well, that's like some renaissance. Fair nah, that's bullshit. like furry bullshit is what that is. I, the tales I always see at Renaissance Fan. Really? Fans. Yeah, it started there. Really? I, I don't thought, know why. There's I no historical just, precedent. I thought it was all furry, like Japanese cat girl crap. No, the ears maybe. Hmm. Okay. But, uh, so, as my litmus test to see if I really want to go big or go mm-hmm. home, mm-hmm. I am creating a Godwin pattern Mark II bolter mm-hmm. from Warhammer 40K. It's a big so, fucking gun. It's a big fucking, yeah, type... It's a one-handed. It's not the pistol. They have a pistol version, but this right. is like a one-handed. What's a bolter? Gun. A bolter fires a. It depends on what source you look at, but either a seventy-five caliber or a 
998 caliber mm-hmm. round. Really? They call it a bolter, but it's like incendiary uh. thing. They have different types of rounds for it. Right. So, yeah, it's like basically a small cannon <laughs> uh, round. So, yeah, uh, I'm making a Godwin pattern bolter. I've already got the – I printed out a – printed out, cut out, and assembled a template that I'm going to use on insulation foam. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go from there. So – Cool. We'll so when are you gonna try to debut this? Uh, I want to have something workable by Halloween. Really? Which is not very far away. Cool. So, but a complete costume by next Gen Con. Hmm. So right. So if I get through the bolter, right? I was like, yeah, I can do this and boost my confidence, my ego. Then we'll go the whole nine yards. I've already got it worked out in my head how I want to do everything. Right. Uh. I've also given thought to doing a Big Daddy from, not from Kick-Ass, but the Big Daddy from Bioshock, the guy right. with the drill, the underwater drill guy. Right. And have my daughter dress up as a little sister. Would she be on board with that? I think so. Yeah. She can be pretty devious and gruesome when she wants to be. Right. She's right. only five. She'd be six by next drink on. Cool. Yeah, so, she's right in the age range. Right. So she'd be the perfect height, and I think I'd get her to act fucking weird. Right. You know what I mean? Like... Creepy. Harvest some shit, you know. Right. Go out there Chase and harvest people with giant yes. hypodermic needles. Yes, mm-hmm. I think she'd be all in for that. Cool. Know? So, or at least she, once she got comfortable with her surroundings. So I was talking about like I would love to um, dress up as a kind of anthropomorphic appa from the Last Airbender, like a big shaggy white costume right. with this extra pair of legs, and have my boy go as Aang. Yeah, and a basic Buddhist monk. Would you shave his head and do the blue I would tattoo? Shave, totally shave his head, do the awesome. blue tattoo. His, you think his, his mom would say? His mom would uh, <laughs> go into Avatar mode. Her <laughs> eyes would glow red. And <laughs> would she dump a big ass wave on you at yeah, the end some, of it? Something like that. <laughs> she might go firebending. But uh, yeah, you it'd know, be that's like Ozen's comet. That's part of the cosplay, right? <laughs> so, oh, anyway. Uh, any of the other Gen Con highlights? We're running out of time. Uh, yeah, let me wrap up real quick. Okay. Uh, I just want to say Margaret Weiss Publishing or yeah. Productions got the Marvel Comics license. So you'll be seeing a Marvel Comics RPG from them. Really? From her. It's been a while. It's been a minute it since I've had a Marvel. Been, yeah, what? Marvel Superhero Saga or something from T- TSR way back in the day. Whoa, it has been a minute. So um, at least that's the last one I know of. And, of course, we all know Green War- Ronin has the DC comics, mm-hmm, which has been right. out for a year. Yep, came out last uh, Gen Con. What else are we going on? Uh, ticket sales are actually up 26% from last year. 250,000 event tickets. Jeez. At two bucks a piece. At two bucks a piece. Wow. So, uh, you know, I'm actually surprised it didn't make more than that. Because to me, when I look around to see how much everything is making, the Gen Con seems like it is like printing money. Like, like I think I add up all the money they're getting from the booths and all the well, money they're getting. They from. did go through a bankruptcy not too long ago. Yeah, but god damn, how can you go bankrupt running a? Con I think it's because they overextended themselves because they had Gen Con. Southern California, Gen Con yeah. UK, Gen Con, whatever the fuck they were doing it. Right. Uh, they overextended themselves, and then they had the fiasco with Lucasfilms and donations, charity bullshit. Weren't they running uh, the Star? Weren't they also running the Star Wars Celebration. celebrations? I thought that was the case. Too. Maybe because that's how they got in trouble with Lucas, wasn't it? Yeah, they had some kind of charity. It was supposed to go to charity, and they ended up not right 
forking over all the charity. Yeah, money. some kind of shady the, bullshit. Yeah, the the feds get on you for that too. Uh, <laughs> you say something's for charity, and yeah. So we'll have to maybe talk. Maybe we should talk to the people behind Gencon. Mm. Um. So yeah, there's that. Uh, let me think. There's a new Lord of the Rings RPG coming out uh-huh. called The One Ring, and that's going to be distributed by Cubicle 7. Oh, Fantasy Flight has a Lord of the Rings card game, too, which, as far as I could tell, plays a lot like their Other Game of Thrones ones, and yeah. the art looked indistinguishable, too. I, I, I don't know. I, got, I, I went a little bit medieval overload. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to do at yeah. Gen Con, I suppose. Yeah. Um, other than that, one I, gray uh, wizard starting to look like the others. I guess I have a shout out, shout out for a friend of mine who produced a web series called Gold, mm-hmm. the series, which has to do, it's a parody on, uh, like these players of a D and D style turn, tournament. So they're in a tournament, and so it's a big parody. It's in its first season. They're trying to collect money for their second season. Right. Uh, so I bought the DVD and a nice pint glass from their booth this nice. year. Uh, so I'd like to give a shout out to David and Gold the series. Cool. Uh, other than that, I don't. I think that's about it. All right. Uh, so next year, if you live in Indianapolis or really within a comfortable drive, you can't go wrong. Especially if you pre-register, you get your ticket for like seven, sixty-five bucks. It's four and a half days of gaming downtown Indianapolis. Just wall-to-wall geeks. Everybody's friendly. I mean, I started. Uh, I I played in a lot of mixed groups um, this year because I didn't have a lot of friends there. I'll basically three friends there. Um, so, and it was, it really went well, um, is larger, everything was cooler. Like I've noticed on like humid, damp areas <laughs> in Gen Con's previous. And yeah. I wish this week's less, weather was last week though. A lot less. Uh, yeah. No kidding. A lot <laughs> less, uh, geek funk too. I don't know if that's because the facility's bigger and they got better circulation now. Uh, also, some awesome stuff. Like, I went to the Rio Grande booth, and uh, the actually room where they're playing, and they, like, brought in a fully catered buffet. That's sweet. No questions. They said uh, no questions asked buffet. Like, you didn't have to be playing. It's just if you were in the room and it smelled good. Really? Yeah. My uh, buddy, uh, Jim's uh, girlfriend, didn't even have a damn badge, which that's the, the one thing different because... Previous Gen Cons, they had a lot of stuff just going on in the general rooms, and no one really checked for badges. This year, anything that was cool at all, that was like not a conference, was being behind doors where a guy in a yellow shirt was checking badges. Really? Which I was kind of disappointed that she yeah. didn't get to see more of it. But well, yeah, I mean, that, buy a fucking badge. It's true. Next year, I think she definitely will. So, so but it's a good time. Um, uh, if you like what we're doing here, at Blue Yonder, uh, you want to give us feedback, some questions for Mad Brew, uh, you can. Email us at blueyonder at baldmove.com. You can follow us Twitter at baldmove, uh, facebook.com slash baldmove, and uh, forums.baldmove. Forums.baldmove.com. I personally have abandoned the forums to their fate. Forums are. I'm like. I'm telling you. Well, I just. I've never been a fan of forums. It's funny because we like went for months without a new registration, and even with the Breaking Good, which is our new podcast covering Breaking Bad, it's been pretty successful. Uh, we still weren't getting registration, so I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to do it no more. And the second Didn't I, I say did, something when you guys started up the forums, I was like, they're bad. I don't, I think they're good if you have a large enough community, but what I'm getting at is like, I didn't, I, I like turned my back on it and it came back three weeks later and we had like doubled the registrations because <laughs> people were coming in and I, f- I feel like the mad scientist that left like a Petri dish 
out the right. lab overnight and it came Holy back. Shit. There's life here. Yeah. Spontaneous generation. But yeah, you go there. There's there's people that are posted and active. So hey, say hi. They probably won't bite your head off. It's completely unmoderated forum. <laughs> um, so that's how you get a hold of us, and uh, that's it for this week. Next week, uh, I'm trying to try to get Jim back uh, <laughs> if he's back from the land of the living. If not, I'll arrange another co-host. Maybe get our uh, co-hosts at uh, the Amazingly Pulp Show, Jay Hat, to help out. And until that t- next time, I'm Aaron Hubbard, and I'm Mad Brew. Uh, ciao, I guess. Later. <laughs> <laughs>